You're listening to a podcast hosted on the Podcaster Matrix. Get your entire podcast library hosted now at podcastermatrix.com. When you hear the words Friday the 13th, what do you think of? While most will recollect a certain impossible-to-be-killed masked individual bearing sharp weapons of all kinds, there's another Friday the 13th that deserves attention. In 1987, Friday the 13th, the series, created a rich tapestry of completely original storytelling. Based on a series of curious, devilishly enchanted objects that must be recovered and returned to the vault to prevent truly dark fates from befalling their owners. This is the detailed revisit and review of the adventures of their reacquisition. Episode by episode. You won't find any hockey masks here. This is the Curious Goods Podcast from Two Guys Talking Horror. There is gold inside of black and white movies. You just have to know how to look for it. While we don't all share a love of film noir, the stories from that completely different age of movie making are legend. In this episode of Friday the 13th, the series, we meet Desmond Williams, a former director from a different age of cinema, and his now aged ailing wife, Lily Lita. What unfolds inside this episode is dark, smoky, and cursed! It's time for another episode of the Curious Goods Podcast. A retelling, a revisit, and an always educational review of each and every episode of Friday the 13th, the series. This time, Season 3, Episode 9, Femme Fatale. Greetings, everybody. I'm Mike Wilkerson, one of your hosts. And I'm Nicholas J. Hearn, your other host. Nick, let's get to the retell of this episode of Friday the 13th, the series. A creepy mansion, an older man, Desmond Williams, a former movie director who prepares a strange nightcap for a woman. The woman is his wife, Lily Lita, a classic film starlet from a different age, who is tethered to a bed by old age and sickness. He wishes her good night, and what's this? A car pulls up outside. Inside is a very young woman. Desmond casually greets her at the door and ushers her inside. The young lady, victim to be number one, marvels at the surroundings. And why is this young lady here? Jay's here to experience a private viewing of the classic film noir film, A Scandalous Woman. Roll film! Inside the movie, we see a sample of a true femme fatale. It is magic. The woman featured inside the film was tough, determined, and very sensual. A personality that would make any man want to be with her. Forever. As the excitement of the third act of A Scandalous Woman begins, the two stand up to the screen on which the film is being shown. Desmond then challenges her to be as grand as his Lily. A bright line begins shining, and then suddenly, not only has the young lady in the room now bamfed into the movie, the femme fatale starlet inside the movie, a younger Lily Lita, has now arrived to Desmond in real life. The movie continues, where the young lady is continuing to be assaulted inside the movie as the film progresses. She screams! 
as Desmond and Lily in real life get it on inside the viewing chamber. The action continues with car chases and machine guns inside the black and white feature film. Finally, as the action comes to climax, the young lady from our time is fatally shot in the chest with machine gun fire. And Lily disappears back into the film. But the younger lady from our time never reappears. Her disappearance and apparent death are the price of Desmond's short-term reacquaintance with a younger, more vibrant version of his ailing wife. Over at the Curious Goods shop, Jack, in a robe, saunters in front of Mickey. It's been a long night of teaching Johnny chess. As Jack pours himself a pipe and cup of joe, he asks Mickey what she's doing. You see, a rash of actresses have been disappearing in the area, and Mickey believes that a cursed good might just be the centerpiece for all the film-based shenanigans. And hence, she's looking for theater-related items inside the manifest. Ha Being proactive, this is how things should be working at this point inside the series! Back at the mansion, Desmond's sickly wife Lily and he are reminiscing. But it's time to go out and find new young girls! Desmond heads to a local theater. Hmm, I wonder why that is. I bet we're going to find out, Mike. At that same theater, Johnny and Araluk, his new soon-to-be ex-girlfriend, who has a deep interest in classic film, are talking about feature film aspects that make Johnny's mind real. The two are now inside watching Film Noir. She is captivated. Johnny is... <sighs> bored... And tonight, a special awesome nugget. You see, the film's director, Desmond Williams, is here to answer the audience's questions. You see, Johnny's girlfriend wants to direct. Ha <laughs> awesome. As Johnny and his soon-to-be ex-girlfriend prepare to leave the theater experience that continues to leave Johnny a virgin, another young hopeful greets Desmond, who then invites her to a private screening of The Scandalous Woman, inside his study bungalow in his mansion. Who could pass that up? The movie in the study begins again. The young lady inside the room is transferred into the screen and you guessed it, young feature film Lily curbs and all arrives in our time and demands that Desmond murder his wife, freeing her forever. That's a new twist. The next day, Johnny comes back inside the shop and Mickey and Jack share that actresses are continuing to disappear. They begin to dig into the feature film concepts and, hey, Johnny was out watching a tearjerker movie last night and, oh, hey, then Desmond Williams popped up to answer questions. You see, Desmond apparently married Lily Lita, the star of The Scandalous Woman, and Jack heard that she sadly become an invalid. Bummer. The next day, Desmond is caretaking for his wife out on the back porch's balcony. After a brief fantasy filled with falling, bone-crushing death, Desmond is able to save her life. Curses! Foiled by husbandly duty again! Meanwhile, at the Curious Kids shop, Jack and Mickey are pouring through the manifest to try to find the missing link. Johnny is... watching TV, because that's what Johnny is good for. I guess. <laughs> oh, and hey! A girl pops up on screen with a missing label across her face. It's the girl that Johnny recognizes from the night before at the theater. She was at the theater talking to Desmond Williams. Then, almost as if it was written in the script, Jack and Mickey find 
that a cursed film reel was sold to some dude with the initials DW. Gee whiz, who could that be? Desmond Williams, the game is afoot. Johnny is sent to learn more information from the duty sergeant. Down at the one Canadian police station and Mickey and Jack are heading to Desmond's mansion. Back at the Desmond compound, cop number 11 and 12 arrive to ask accidental questions that are easily sidestepped and point suspicion at no one. Great sleuthing, friends. <sighs> As Desmond fantasizes over his on-screen starlet wife, a grizzled voice calls to him from her chambers. Desmond! He prepares to go see her, and this time, it will be for the last time based on how much special elixir he adds into this most recent cup of tea. He can't bring himself to do it. Then, a knock on the door again. It's Mickey. Mickey's asking questions about a certain film reel sold to him by one Uncle Lewis. And now, it's time for a private viewing for her. Desmond shows her to his study, where film reels and smoke-filled couches go to die. As Desmond goes to check on his wife, Mickey begins snooping. During the snooping adventure, she unlatches the window so that eventually Jack Marshak can enter. Upon his return, Desmond finds Mickey snooping. She deflects by telling Desmond that she wants to buy the movie and its real case. But first, the movie must be viewed. Outside the mansion grounds, the local constabularies have found Jack Marshak. Man of peeping Tom action? Snooping across the mansion's grounds. Into cuffs, Jack Marshak goes. Ow, not so rough. I'm a veteran. As the wretched third act of the movie approaches, where the talent is put in, Desmond wonders if Mickey has ever considered being in the movies. He forces her in front of the screen, and bam, she too disappears into the movie. Mickey screams inside the film. As Desmond begins to knock on younger film Lily's door, there's a knock on Desmond's door, and it's the cops. The cops explain that this guy over here, Jack Marshak, was prowling outside. Neglecting common sense, Jack insists that the cops check out the room. Okay, whatever. Inside the room, Jack finds younger feature film Lily? The uneducated younger police officers know nothing. Lily plays it off perfectly, and Jack is literally bewildered with what he sees. Jack is unceremoniously hauled off the jail. Bummer. Don't drop the soap. Younger feature film Lily is here to stay. She wants out and to be with Desmond forever. As the two kiss, older Lily calls out to Desmond. Desmond. Desmond goes to his invalid ailing wife, and he shares the details of Jack Marshak, the Prowler. A Prowler? Oh no, are we safe? He assures her that it's safe, and puts her back in her bed. Back down in the study, Mickey continues to cry out as the feature film unfolds. Desmond returns to the main floor downstairs and realizes that younger feature film Lily has left the building. Desmond heads out, but younger feature film Lily, who's hiding in the shadows, heads back inside and upstairs to finally take care of her older self. Four minutes across town, and now driving inside of Johnny's hoopty, Johnny has bailed out Jack, and they head back to the mansion to try to save Mickey. 
Desmond eventually makes his way back inside and younger feature film Lily tells him that she's been checking up on the old lady. Unfortunately, Desmond can't kill her. She's his wife. Younger feature film Lily encourages Desmond to kill her older self to set her free. Later at Lily's bedside, Desmond arrives to caring music. He nestles close to his wife and kisses her quickly one last time. Then as younger feature film Lily waits at the door, he grabs a pillow and begins to smother his wife. She is gone. Younger feature film Lily and Desmond kiss and realize that now they have all the time in the world. Outside, Jack and Johnny roll up in Johnny's hoopty. And they head to the unlatched window, you know, the one inside the mansion study, in hopes of rescuing Mickey in time. Younger feature film Lily and Desmond begin their much longer passionate lovemaking session, but are interrupted by old Lily. Desmond! She's got a cane! And a gun? Older Lily leans into camera and states that death scenes were always her forte. Boom! Mic drop! Younger feature film Lily explains that I am you. Lily notes that that's impossible. Arriving in perfect synchronicity, Jack Marshak explains that... I know this is going to be hard for you to understand, but... The reel that this film is actually on is cursed. It allows young feature film Lily to escape the film for a few moments while someone else is sacrificed in her place. I wish there was an easier explanation on how this curse works, but it's not in the manifest, so it makes no sense to me. As their attention spans are transfixed on the screen as Mickey is screaming and driving maniacally towards the end of the third act inside of a scandalous woman, younger feature film Lily is able to escape the study and heads to the theater district downtown. Thanks to all of her knowledge of the area, somehow, sure. Okay. Luckily, Johnny Ventura is hot on her trail. Younger feature film Lily arrives at Canada's largest movie theater and sees that a classic reshowing of her own film is happening. She enters for free, somehow, okay, not important right now. And she sits down amongst the people that adore her. She can see it on their faces. She can feel it inside their hearts. They love her. Finally, arriving inside the theater because Johnny knew where she was going. Okay, sure, whatever. Johnny tries to woo Lily back to the mansion so that they can talk about this whole thing. Sure, why not? Back at the mansion, the movie is finally coming to a close. Older Lily confirms that Desmond can't have what he wants because she's not that young person any longer. Time passes for all of us, and it's about facing what we have versus what we desire. Just when you think you know the ending of this episode, you don't. You see, older Lily accidentally discharges her firearm into Desmond's chest, killing him. Younger feature film Lily would, of course, be cast back into the feature film to die, right? Right? Wrong! 
Instead, Older Lily finds her way back into the silver screen, swapping places with on-screen Mickey, thereby saving the day, the movie, and the final act of heroism inside this film. As she dies on screen, and Mickey is safe, the older, ailing starlet transforms once again to become that which she was. Young, vibrant, gorgeous, but dead. As Jack and Johnny tend to Mickey, who has literally come through the looking glass, younger feature film Lily begins to feel the warm passion of the film business. Unfortunately, it continues to become warmer, hot, burning even, beyond itching burning, and she begins to burn alive. Eventually, there's nothing left of her but our collective memories and screen credits inside of IMDb. But what's more important is that the cursed film reel, you know, the cursed item inside this episode was... Recovered! The next day, our daring trio detail how Desmond's manipulations eventually destroyed him, but we must always remember that whatever happens in the movie is only an illusion. Every episode of Friday the 13th, the series has goods and bads. It's time to talk about the goods. Film noir capture. I love what we see here inside this episode, mostly because if you were not educated on film noir, you might not actually know that the movie they showcase at the front end isn't actually a movie. Mm -hmm. And I love that. I love that when we're able to take something that is now and showcase something that was, and it's seamless. Uh, for those that are watching the Marvel series WandaVision, I would give you the first three or four episodes of what we saw inside that series where you can't discern that those were made now because of the quality that's provided. I love that we can look at that and experience that to that level of detail. And we get that here. And this was 35 years ago. So, again, total checkbox and kudos to the people that made this episode on the film noir capture. Hey, I was uh, much more impressed with this interpretation of classic film than in the previous episode, Scarlet Cinema, mm. where mm. all they really did was, hey, we're just going to show clip after clip after clip of the Wolfman and then add in a little black and white footage of modern day stuff. Yeah. This all completely originally done. Yeah. And it looked authentic. Yeah. Uh, it looks like they even, they stole pieces of how they were capturing feature films back then to showcase what's inside of the process. I it's kind that. of what they did in the, the, the first two Home Alone movies, you know, the fake movie, uh, oh, yeah, uh, yeah. Angels with Filthy Wings. Yeah, yeah. Totally a made-up movie specifically for those films, but felt genuine, like it was a real... 1930s yeah. film noir type thing. Yeah. So much so that I know that there are there are probably people listening to this episode that don't actually know that. There's no movie to go back and watch because there is Yeah, you can movie. never find <laughs> a real full-length version of Angels with Filthy Souls and Angels with Even Filthier Souls. Yeah. The look of Younger Lily. There are moments inside of both feature film capture and again this time inside of television capture where you're you're getting you're getting a portrayal that is it's deeper than just showcasing a character. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that I loved from the movie The Aviator was Kate Beckinsale's 
portrayal of Ava Gardner, mm. where there's obviously there's an actress, a drop dead gorgeous actress, i.e. Kate Beckinsale, but there's something deeper going on twice fold, i.e. she's playing Ava Gardner, and then the majesty of Ava Gardner. We'll we'll link up to the image capture inside of Google for Ava Gardner because it is extraordinary. As we talk about this, Nick and I are looking at an entire gallery of photos, which, we're, again, we're going to link to in the show notes for Ava Gardner. And there is a majesty that was captured in especially still photography back then that translated into the movies for all of these classic, especially black and white actresses that I don't know today's feature film captures for anybody whether they're trying to just because it's more real or because the quality of the film cameras is completely different, but there is, there's a different aura that those classic feature films give. And we get that for the actress that plays younger feature film Lily inside this movie in spades. No. Yeah. yeah. She is drop dead gorgeous and maniacal. And, and that, that deep sensual woman that's inside of this movie. It's, it's amazing. The character arc for older Lily. Now, we've already talked about it inside the retail, so sorry about the spoilers if you hadn't seen this yet, but the the course of the character for older Lily inside this episode really is extraordinary. Because mm-hmm. it would have been very, very easy to just toss younger feature film Lily back in, and she's the one that gets shot, and then it's never addressed again because, of course, the guy's dead and roll credits. Well, that's not what they did. There's a th- this little tiny twist on the end that not only makes older Lily a heroine, but also solves the puzzle in a completely different way than you would have thought would be there. I love that. I love that when they're able to do that to do that inside this series, and they've done it several times. This is just the most recent one. Well, and there's also moments inside the episode where we see older Lily in bed listening and one i guess would believe that the sound of the film is loud enough to where she knows that desmond is at least watching a movie but there's a there's a sadness on her face that you might believe that she also knew that desmond was seeing there were other people besides him right that there was something going on now of course she didn't know it was murder Mm mm-hmm uh, at, at for her, at worst, it was oh he's having an affair with younger women, and right. unfortunately, there's nothing I can do about that. Mm-hmm. And then you know, by the end of the episode, it's oh you've been there've been more there've been more of these poor souls that have been trapped in this movie and, and killed. Uh, so yeah, there there is depth to a character that could have just been a throwaway character mm-hmm. because really, you're not worried about the older version you're more captivated by the younger version Mm -hmm. but how the ending the third act of this episode pushes that's not even really young lily it's a character that young lily played in a film so it's even it's even more poignant when older lily says you told me you loved me, but you, what you were really in love with was a, 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 the stupid character I played. That's it. You yeah. didn't. You didn't love me. I love that. I yeah. love. I love the visit to reality for a man that obviously wants to be lost in fantasy. Mm-hmm. There's no question. I, yeah. I, I love that piece. What I also really loved about the the arc of what they've given Lily inside this is that they actually had an older actress that plays older Lily. 
Right, yeah. I, I, I thought that was a huge move. Mm. Because, yes, you could have had somebody in, uh, you could have had the same actress that plays younger feature film Lily play the older Lily as well, but could it have had the same quality and effect that it did by having an older actress? I don't think so. And right. it, it really was good here. It was good to see a woman step in to make what what needs to be righted. I really enjoyed that inside this episode. Bonus good. A great concept. Who doesn't love the idea of a cursed film reel? For those of us that can remember film reels, I, I myself was an usher inside of a theater where I did change out reels. Mm -hmm. It's a piece of magic and it's a piece of cinema that is long gone by. Yep. We're not going to, beyond what COVID has given us in the last year, we're not going to see the days of changing out film reels anytime soon. Uh, in fact, the, the concept of film reels, I think, unfortunately, is going to be a piece of antiqueism and archivalism mm -hmm. that is that's the only way that it's going to live on really because we just we don't while there i know that there's a bare thread of people still making movies unreal it's by far not the standard anymore oh yeah well i mean making doing any kind of filmmaking on actual film stock is incredibly expensive right and it's also ultra rare at this point as well mm -hmm. yeah who doesn't love the concept of something as aged as a film reel being cursed? It's, it's gold. And it's showcased wonderfully inside this episode. Uh, it, it's where this episode could have been another one of the episodes that over the course of, if it was only three seasons, it could pop up three times, once in each season, and be an incredibly intricate, detailed story that I think has the power to continue. Mm -hmm. That's what we had for goods inside this episode. We're wondering what you thought was good inside this episode, season three, episode nine. Film Fatale. Let us know what you think by going over to our website. That's CuriousGoodsPodcast.com. Fill out the quick web form and tell us what you thought was good about this episode. Every episode of Friday the 13th, the series, comes with its goods and its bads. We've covered the goods, now let's look at the not-so-goods. Poor execution. Yes, I get it. We had a whole bonus good with the great concept of a cursed film reel, and yes, totally agree with that statement. But, can somebody in one sentence, and, and not a run-on sentence... Can 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 somebody in one sentence explain to me the mechanics of the cursed film reel? Because it does not make any kind of real sense. I, I, I get the whole concept. Okay, so you toss somebody in to let somebody out, and you get to hunk a chunk of make out Mac Daddy business. And then, unfortunately, the film comes to a close, and the film character has to go back because the sacrifice has been killed. Okay, I get that, but then we get this this strange wrinkle of, oh, kill your wife, and I get to be free. Why would she think that if it wasn't true? Because we know by the end of the episode it's not true. Because older Lily does die inside the film. So she's dead, she did die, whether it be by the hands of her husband or not, is regardless. But even though... The wife has died, and the holder of the cursed object has died. Fake movie star, you know, young feature film Lily, 
also quote unquote dies. So it kind of seems to me like all of the, the rules for this object were made up as they went along and then nothing mattered by the ending of the episode. I think it's a little bit deeper than that. <clears throat> oh, let's go deeper. Take us down the, uh, the rabbit hole, Mike. I think ironically that in our prelude inside of today, we had mentioned WandaVision. Mm -hmm. And what I have heard from many a comic book fan, deep comic book fans, which I am not, especially when it comes to Wanda and, and Vision, is that, well, see, if you read the comic books, then you would be able to extrapolate the meaning of what's being shown. And I'm, I'm, I'm super appreciative of that. As an appreciator of comic books and a guy that did read comic books, mm -hmm. especially a lot of X-Men, I'm deeply appreciative that they can take the previous subject matter and cast that into something that is now. And those that are educated will get the appreciation and hopefully, knock on wood, those people will be able to bestow the appreciation onto other people that were not yet appreciative because they didn't know anything about it. Right. Okay. But it should also not deterrent anybody who's not correct. in the know if they don't know it. That is correct. And that's my biggest problem with things like film noir and deep-rooted comic book stuff that's trying to be shown inside of multi-billion dollar properties for hundreds of millions of people across the planet is that at, at some point there has to be an education piece mm -hmm. that you are made aware of things. And by the way, inside of this, you have to do it in 43 minutes. Well, they didn't. They, they, they literally didn't. If we, if we take uh, a scandalous woman out and we put uh, Home Alone in on that reel, <laughs> when exactly does the killing begin and when, do, when does it stop? Because nobody's killed inside that movie. Does, is there never a chance... For anybody to come across, there's no chance for lovemaking. That, that's what I'm talking about is that if you can't take another movie and swap it in for what's going on inside of the reel, mm. then what are the actual mechanics? And actual mechanics are not something that is a rarity inside of this series right. that you and I have had question marks about. So th this is not something new. Well, this is a very specific one, too, because yes. it's a movie. Right. The, I mean, the, the cursed film reel was sold to the director of the actual film who is married to the actual actress that is in that film. So this is a very specific cursed item. Mm -hmm. There needs to be very specific rules involved, and they're not. Now, here's the thing. I know the, I know there are some people that are going, Mike, Nick, chill it's out. series. Well, chill out. They're trying to tell a story, and they only have a certain amount of time to do <laughs> right, it. Right, and, right. and, yeah, I get that, but the whole point of us doing a podcast like this is to ask those questions. And some episodes, you don't have to ask these questions because the writing is so on point. Is this an entertaining story being told? Hell yes, it is. But when you stop to think about, well, how is this story told? And why is this story told? That's why you have us asking those hard-hitting questions. <laughs> and unfortunately, the execution where this was concerned was sorely lacking because you don't understand what's going on. So you're kind of just hoping like eventually they'll explain it. Eventually yeah. there'll be some sort of nugget that makes you go, aha. Yeah, you know what and else that it never is, happens. You know what else it is too is that we are a deeply more educated audience than was available back 35 years ago now. Hmm. There's, no, there's no question. But what also is missing, and it wasn't for every show, but it was for many of them. For many shows, they actually have a Bible. Mm -hmm. Yeah, there's a there's a there's a, a, a essentially a box, and everything that's made and done falls into the box of the program. And 
what unfortunately an episode like this showcases is that there wasn't one. That the box may have been okay. There needs to be a curse. Good. Yes. Jack Marshak needs to come to the rescue and either flounder or finally eventually be successful. Yes. Mickey must be put in peril. Check. <laughs> Johnny must be humping a fist at the end of the episode again. All of those things are little checkboxes inside the episodes that are here, but what else is supposed to happen? And I think that somewhere a, a smaller, more focused box on the actual execution and rules about the mechanics of whatever the hell is cursed if, if and or when this series is remade, that's one of the things that has to be yeah, there. It, does your cursed item make sense? Right. And what it also needs to not be is, because magic, because magic, that works every now and then, even in a series that is based on magic, kind of like this one, mm-hmm. that kind of works. But there needs to there needs to be the physical mechana that can be spinned backwards, i.e., okay, let's take this movie off and let's put in the Terminator. So now it's a dude that can go and get multiple times what he wants because there's multiple deaths in the Terminator. Yeah. Do you see what yeah. I'm saying? Yeah, no, that, no, I, I totally get it. I totally get it. That would that would be the way to bring this curse good back. Where towards the end of the episode, whomever is taking the curse good gets away. Okay, well the next time that they're found, it's because of this series of mysterious deaths that has to do with something about feature films or something we see that 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 right there instead of it being a cursed film reel it would have to be a cursed projector to where any film you put through we've the had projector that. you yeah. can do that and we've had that too uh well it wasn't a projector it was more of a movie or a a, a, a for t- like a slide sh- it was a slide uh slide thing projector but not a film projector right it was just I, it you, was you, you see where I'm going pictures now. right Right, right. right, there's there's a difference between a picture and many projector pictures together next and to each a other. film real projector. <laughs> one allowed you to go into a picture back into the Civil War. Right. This one just plays the same damn movie over and over. Right. And the same thing happens. Personally speaking, I think a better concept is a cursed film projector mm-hmm. because then it can be any film. You can swap any film. Mm-hmm. If this is a this is a cursed film real owned by the guy who made the film so that he can revisit his wife back when she was young and hot playing the best character he's ever written again very specific yet because we 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 focus on all those specifics mm-hmm. we lose the details yeah 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 Johnny's accidental usefulness. Oh, wow. Everybody marvel <laughs> together. One, two, three. Oh. So Johnny, Johnny is our gateway into... <laughs> Johnny is the gateway drug to Intel. Right. Uh, I hate comparing him to Ryan, but if Ryan were still around, Ryan would be dating the girl who was into the film noir, and, and actually Ryan would probably be interested in the film. Right. And then she would die. Thereby and she, yes, exactly. She would leaving, die. This, this girl lives <laughs> simply because it's not Ryan Dalian <laughs> that she's dating. It's Johnny Ventura. <laughs> Dodged a bullet there, sweetheart. Yeah. No, it's... Uh, uh, for Personally speaking, I don't understand why Johnny would be with somebody that he has so little in common. But then I, I go, 
Well, it's, it's because he's a Johnny, dude. She's a woman. Johnny so is not ugly or awkward looking. That's this why. Is, yes, exactly. He can he, and it, has a, and has a great car. I would like to think this this might have been their third date, and then it was like, oh, okay, yeah, we're definitely not sleeping together. <laughs> Because I just, I don't get your taste in mo- movies, and I've just made an ass out of myself. The, the, for... the look on Johnny's face inside the movie theater is just, it's brilliant. Yes, it, it is. It Again, it, 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 it gives you that, that little tiny spotlight into Johnny's soul. <laughs> it goes to show you how, how much of a sensitive ladies' man Ryan Dalian was, where Johnny Ventura is just a man. <laughs> but but it's also gives us the opportunity because now he's inserted in what's going on. He helps propel the investigation. And then when you think his usefulness is done, he is sent to get more intel from his desk sergeant buddy that we met a handful of episodes ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, of course, we never see that. But luckily enough, what I'd like to believe in between the scenes, when Jack was arrested... And, and taken to the one police station in this uh, this town in Canada. Johnny was there talking to his desk sergeant buddy, so he was able to bail him out. That is why we are able to <laughs> so arrest Jack, book Jack, <laughs> and then post bail for Jack all in a commercial break. And then he and Johnny can race to the rescue. That's yeah. the only way anything makes sense. Now, of course, 43-minute storytelling, I get it. We're not supposed to worry about that. Right. But I'm sorry. I'm going to worry about that. Yeah. Because if you didn't want me to worry about that, you shouldn't have had Jack arrested by the cops for being a peeping frickin' Tom. But it was good to see them actually using Johnny in more ways than just, Hey, Johnny, we need you to watch the shop. He's obviously got some sort of mojo as well because he's able to convince younger film, feature film Lily to come back. Well, yeah, because like Cause you said, why would he's, you not, he's, not, he's not an unattractive man. Right, right. So, yeah, yeah. Off-kilter pacing. And we talk about pacing a lot in this show. Mm-hmm. And for pretty much anything else we podcast about, because True. pacing is key. And not only is it the key, it's the savior. Savior, yeah. I mean, you can have a, a subpar story, but the pacing could keep it going fast mm-hmm. enough to where you're not paying attention to how subpar it is. There's a bunch of feature films, including some that have won major, major awards that I think fall into this category. It's most action movies, mm-hmm. when you think about it. It's yeah. like, you if the, you take away you wanna... the action away from the action movie pretty loose concept yeah but because the action is is so ramped up it's like oh okay and and the puzzle piecing of the pace is what allows you to be carried throughout the film Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. regardless of how stupid it is or how outrageous it might be the pacing is what allows you to jump on the surfboard and ride the movie yeah yeah unfortunately this well i mean we titled it off kilter pacing because it does have uneven pacing in this episode Mm -hmm. Because they repeat the same thing over and over. And I get why they do that, because it is the third act of A Scandalous Woman. But there's another question that goes all the way back to our first bad. Again, with the the rules, why did it always have to be at that one point towards the end of the movie? 
You know, why not not at the beginning of the movie so you have more time to hunk a chunka with the with the right. starlet. Exactly. But exactly. A, but again, we're not talking about the we're not maybe. talking about that. We're talking about the pacing. Maybe maybe we're not we're not being considerate because we're not as old as Desmond is and <laughs> he only had that much time so he didn't need it, 2 hours. It, it, well, it was back before the days of Viagra, so <laughs> wow, yeah, this took a weird turn. Uh, anyway, off kilter pacing when it was on, it was on, and we were engaged. But then there were some hiccup moments in this episode. Well, r- really, I think what this stemmed off of, I, I think I remember saying something to the effect of the timing of uh, Jack's arrest and being freed to play within the storytelling of the last 20x minutes of the third act of a feature of a film feature on a film. Wheel. Yeah, yeah. That's where this started, where it... It doesn't matter how close the police station was. The police station could have been down the block. You know, in the no opposite somebody... direction of where the <laughs> movie theater was. Right. There's no way that somebody is going to be found, arrested, taken to jail, booked, put into place. Someone comes and gets him post-bail. They leave and then get back in the span of 20x minutes when the third act is finishing. There's but, just no way. But if an uh, if a line had been entered... In the car with between Johnny and Jack, where, boy, Jack, you're lucky I was there and, and had my buddy talk the arresting officers Sergeant into Barnes, and, yeah, blah, yeah talk the arresting officers into dropping the charges or not booking you or blah blah blah. Then it makes sense. Then you can cut through all of that and race to the rescue. But right. they don't do that. Right, and see, it would make sense until you get to the end of the episode where Jack remains. The only suspect who was recently arrested at a place where a body is found. Oh with yeah, a, with yeah. a gunshot to the exactly. chest. Exactly. So, so Desmond is dead. The wife is missing, although her her fingerprints are on the gun. And Jack Marshak was the last person involved in any kind of suspicious behavior around the premises. Yet right. there was no further investigation. Right. Because it was open and shut. Yeah, and I, again, I, I know. You know what? We haven't ever gotten anything where somebody goes, you know, you guys belabor too much of the there's evidence and process for all kinds of investigative abilities that blah, blah, blah. nobody's ever complained about that. But I'm certain that you guys do because it, all I want is some common sense. Mm. I'm, I'm not even asking for going to extraordinary lengths to make it all work. I just want common sense. Mm. We let a lot of it go because it is it is a show from yes. a different time period right. and, and storytelling had different focuses then. Mm-hmm. But today you cannot treat your audience like they're stupid. Right. Not saying that they're trying to treat us like they're stupid back then. It's just storytelling is more sophisticated now. This is one of those things that pops up inside of whatever you and I do, our, our action-busting style stuff. Just the concept of cameras nowadays. I don't. Mm-hmm. I don't think people understand that. Like, where can you go right now outside your house in a major metropolitan area and not be on a camera? Mm. Yeah. Even outside your house, because you've either got the ring doorbell or you've got a neighborhood cam that's at major intersections or something that is placing you at a place and a time so that if you walk in and you go, Oh, hello, Mr. Officer friendly. Oh yes. I was, um, I was driving out West. Uh, I was driving on uh fourth and Walnut at about three o'clock. Really? Well, let's go check the fourth and Walnut cam real quick. And surely we should see your car blowing by there whenever you said you were, well, let's go check the couple of hours that you said you, that general area mm-hmm. of when you said we're going to be there. And when you're not found there, well, that instantly goes away your alibi. 
those kind of things are also a piece of whatever, if this show is rebooted, that need to be somewhere inside of the Bible that's made. Because it obviously there are places where there are no cameras. There, there have even been shows where they write it out, mm-hmm. i.e., were there any security cameras or surveillance available in the area? Uh, no, there weren't any. Okay, that's possible. You're right. Yeah. It is possible, but is it more likely than not? Not anymore. Not, not in my opinion. Something that would help a, a reboot of this show is if there was a tether to police, in a, a police yeah. officer, yeah. something like that. Yeah. yeah, definitely. And all of those things that we've talked about, if it was inserted into this episode, the pacing would not be so cattywampus. Correct. Well, those are the things that we thought could have used a little work in this episode of Friday the 13th, the series. But we want to know what you thought were bads inside this episode. Let us know by heading over to our website. That's CuriousGoodsPodcast.com. Fill out the web form and let us know your thoughts on the bads. It's time to take a break during the Curious Kids Podcast. We will be right back. Wouldn't it be cool if your advertising could last forever? It can. With perpetual advertising, here's how it works. Magazine, radio, and television ads are efforts that people might see or hear once, and then they're lost forever. Perpetual advertising provides you with the chance for repeat exposure and replayability weeks, months, even years after it's originally inserted inside a podcast. So even if your advertising is included in a podcast years ago, those efforts are still impactful, providing you with true return on investment, real impact, thanks to perpetual advertising. Are you ready to change the way you and your company or organization advertises? Find out more and launch a unique perpetual advertising effort now by visiting twoguystalking.com forward slash sponsors. In today's world, time is everything. When editing podcasts, <laughs> you know as well as I do, time flies. But it's not the good kind of time flying. It's the kind of time that eats a hole in your pocket. Reclaim the time you lose when you edit your podcast. Connect with The Editor Core. The Editor Core is a group of seasoned, experienced podcast editors that'll get your editing done and out the door. Use your reclaimed time to make more content. Make your podcast soar with the Editor Core. EditorCore.com. That's EditorCore.com. This is John D. LeMay, and you're listening to the Curious Goods Podcast from Two Guys Talking Horror. Thought about a career in voiceover? Need a great, cost-effective on-hold message for your organization or business? Don't know where to start? Check out The Voice Farm, your one-stop shop for voiceover needs. Check it out now by accessing The Voice Farm at voicefarmers.com and see what difference can be made with a company that is truly outside the box. From The Voice Box, voicefarmers.com. That's voicefarmers.com. Everyone, welcome back to the Curious Kids Podcast, a retelling, a revisit, and an always educational detailing of each and every episode of Friday the 13th, the series. This time, Season 3, Episode 9, Fim Fatale. 
Every time we come back from break, it's time to crack open our manifest moments. The manifest moments are where Nick and I recognize either an actor's portrayal, a storytelling element inside this episode, or something else that's tripped our collective review night fantastic. Nick, what do you got? It seems to be a running trend for me for season three, Mike, but I've got to do another what-if scenario. Mm. Uh, My what-if scenario for this episode would be instead of a cursed film reel, we had a cursed film projector. Mm. Because then it makes a little bit more sense. Then anybody can use it. Uh, Unlike this episode where it was just very focused on Desmond and Lily and their life together and their careers, if you use a cursed film projector, it can be anybody. You can have that aspiring filmmaker who just can't make the movie he wants to make. So now that he has the cursed film projector, uh, he sacrifices somebody to the cursed item and his movie gets made. So, so along the lines of uh, the episode The Maestro with the, the music box, uh, it was something like that. Or taken in an even different direction to where anybody using it, you put whatever movie you want and now you get to enter back and forth as long as you, you know, pay with blood. You get to go back and forth into the movie world, bring a character out of the movie world. Very, uh, almost last action hero-esque. Yeah. And uh, that would work really well. And now in, in, in today's internet-based, I am the deepest fan ever of insert name of movie. Right. And then whatever finding, studio owned it, you know, you've got yeah. all the rights to those movies. Yeah. Finding, finding the victims would be, quote, very easy. Because mm-hmm. you can always go and find deep fans of just about anything and the pool is infinite. Right. So the hopes and the wants of a what-if scenario is my manifest moment. I love that. I've, my manifest moment is a bit twofold inside this episode. Okay. They're almost back to back. The first one is where older Lily unveils to Desmond that it's not me that you were in love with. It was the idea of the character that I portrayed mm. inside this film. It has nothing to do with me. And that that's something that I, I think comes very heartfelt, especially for when you and I think of all the actors that we like and the heroes that they play. I think the one I'll pick is probably Chris Evans. When I think of Chris Evans and his portrayal as Captain America, Chris Evans has become something completely different than before he was Captain America for me. Mm -hmm. Because I love the character that he portrays inside of the Captain America stuffs. Outright. Mm -hmm. But I know that he's somebody completely different in real life. Well, right, yeah. And that's, that's the line that is completely missing in fact, it's not only missing in that tether, but he, he's actually married to the woman and he doesn't get it. That's my that's my first manifest moment. That was that was striking. The second one comes. They decide to keep older Lily alive and they make her death a piece of her brilliant acting that she still is able to pull off in front of Desmond and, and younger feature film Lily. Mm-hmm. I love that. I, I think that that is a piece of brilliance here. Uh, if I had to throw on the, the third part of a manifest moment inside of this, it would be the twist at the end where the heroine saves the day. I, I love all of that. Yeah. And it, it's, it is manifest moments like these that make this episode a great episode with just some tiny little tweaks in the pacing mm-hmm. and a couple of other little tiny baubles inside of this. I think it would have been a really, really great episode. That's where we ask you guys, what was your manifest moment inside this episode? Let us know what you think by going over to our website. That's CuriousGoodsPodcast.com. Fill out the quick web form. Tell us what you think. 
Ah, the vocabulary, the words that make Nick and Mike Brain go round inside the Curious Goods podcast. The first word is... Real to real. I mention this not just because it's featured inside of this episode, but because of the concept of walking up to younger crowd nowadays and saying, you know, real to real film. And I'm not kidding. Blank stares for people that are completely unfamiliar. I, I know it's just a, I I know my dad had the same things over things when he and I were talking when I was younger and I, it's, it's funny. It's not funny. It's fun. It's fun to experience the same things that he experienced when he and I had the same experience. The difference, it was him that was marveling at how incredibly old he was. And now I'm marveling <laughs> right. at how old I'm getting. And uh, that, that's why we've got it on here, but also because it's the focus of this episode. And it is a concept that has been and will be lost to time just because of what it is. Real to real is listed as is where there's actual physical media that then has to be clipped and snipped Mm -hmm. and then put back together to make a final product. That's real to real compared to what we deal with now, which is digital editing. Our second and final word for this episode is... Noir. Noir, thanks to wikipedia.com, is listed as a genre of crime film or fiction characterized by cynicism, fatalism, and moral ambiguity. And obviously, this is a. There are a series of movies that everybody can name their favorite noir film, and we get what I think is a, a glorious sample of a fictional noir film inside this, A Scandalous Woman. They've taken every technique that I can think of from that genre and showcased it inside this episode. Oh, yeah. The fog that is always represented, the very high contrast clothing that's always worn by everybody inside them the high contrast backgrounds that are used used whether they be real or somehow processed the driving scenes are the ones i'm thinking about processed inside this lots of uh, silhouettes are always used and i love that mostly because it gives you the sample of what is very simple but especially in the case of noir it's never simple it's always involved and complicated and that's what makes it so much fun to try and go and pick apart when you look at it as a genre That's where we ask you guys, what vocabulary did you recognize inside this episode? Season 3, Episode 9. Film Fatal. Let us know what you think by going to our website. That's CuriousGoodsPodcast.com. Fill out the quick web form. Tell us what vocabulary struck you. Episode Rating. Ah, the rating inside this episode of Friday the 13th, the series. The scale works thusly. A 10 is on top of the heap, resurrecting your younger film-based wife to have yet another hunk of chunk of scene. A 1 is on the bottom of the list, being Bernie burned alive because it's all not quite worked out. Everything starts at 7 as an average. The numbers go up with positives, the numbers go down with negatives, and Nick... There are no halvesies. Nick, what do you got? I think one of the things that I have to remind myself when we watch episodes of this show is we get to experience it and then, you know, dissect it and bitch about it in hindsight. Mm -hmm. It's like, oh, they should have done this. Yeah, but we weren't there. You know, (laughs) 
True. Uh, uh, yeah, I, we weren't True. there, and we weren't there that long ago. It was yeah. it was a long time a, ago. Eighteen-year-old Mike was it, not on the right. film writing credits. So sorry. <laughs> <laughs> when I take away the this is that this is what they <laughs> should have done aspect of watching an episode like this, my enjoyment level goes way up because I'm not being so critical. Yes, this was an excellent episode. Yeah, I agree. When you don't factor in all of the nonsensical things that us with our sophisticated storytelling stuff experience now. So for me, it's not a great episode, but it's not a subpar episode either. So I got to give this episode an eight. Yeah, finding the quality inside of episodes like this is very easy, mostly because they've they've taken a piece of entertainment history mm -hmm. and they've begun dissecting it themselves. And I, I really find a lot of endearment inside stuff like that. I'm not familiar with the director of this episode, whether they've directed episodes previously inside this series or not. But I liked all, everything of what I saw here. Just some tiny little tweaks that I wish were made to just expedite and focus the storytelling, I think would have been just a, a marvel mm -hmm. had they been able to implement them here. I, I, too, adore what we see here and would have loved to just seen something a bit different to make it better. I, too, give this episode an 8. That's where we asked you guys, what did you rank this episode? Season 3, Episode 9. Film Fatale. Let us know what you think by going to our website over at CuriousGoodsPodcast.com. Fill out the quick web form and tell us what you rated this episode. The room was sultry. The end of yet another long dark review of Friday the 13th the series was complete. I kicked back with a shot of dry rye, put my feet onto the desk, and knew what a great job I'd achieved. Mike? No, uh, yeah. You can't really end an episode with interior monologue. It doesn't work in podcasting. Oh, oh, okay. Well, here, why don't we try this? That's all we've got for this episode. Until next time, I'm Mike Wilkerson, one of your hosts. And I'm Nicholas J. Hearn, your other host. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Curious Goods Podcast. We are always interested in learning what you remember about these enchanted items and their tales of reacquisition. Connect with us immediately at CuriousGoodsPodcast.com to share your treasured information. Until the next artifact reveals itself, the vault is now closed. I didn't intend for this to be a quote, but you want to try it? Desmond then challenges her. To be as grand as my lily. <laughs> okay. I wasn't prepared to be a Desmond. I was okay, prepared sorry. to be old Lily. Okay, no problem. And Jack Marshak. That's right. No worries. <laughs>